everyone. Good to see you. Thanks for the welcome, Ross. Um, going to read from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. My pupils used to say Genesis instead of Genesis. And they said it finished, the Bible finished with revolutions. But they got it wrong as usual. Um, <laughs> Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. And we'll read the first 11 verses. Joseph's dreams is the headline in the New International Version. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. The Hebrew text is actually a robe of pieces. And by implication, pieces of different colors. Therefore, it becomes the multicolored uh, garment of the King James Version. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Well, well, I suppose when you're 17, well, you might not claim to know everything, but at least uh, you know at least 92% of everything, don't you? Um, and the, the story of Joseph, very important, there's 12 chapters in Genesis devoted to it. Um, <clears throat> And he does improve. <laughs> There's hope for improvement. We sometimes sing, Jesus, you are changing me. Well, God changed him. This, this impossible brat <laughs> became one of God's great leaders. There's hope for development and growth in grace when we come to know God. John Newton says, I am not what I would be. I am not what I should be. I am not what I will be, but by the grace of God, I am not what I was. Um, and so you get this development from Genesis. And at the end of Genesis, there's a kind of 
summary song by Jacob blessing his sons. And in chapter 49 and verse 22, Joseph features, if you care to look at it, it says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. And then further down, there's a bit about the blessing because of your father's God who helps you because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breast and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. So here's this fruitful bough, and uh, it's an encouragement to think that God took him in hand and sorted him out and developed him for his great purposes. And there are three things about Joseph's life, you might imagine, uh, three things about Joseph's life that can be true of us too. In fact, it is true of us. The first one is this. There was a well in Joseph's life. Joseph was a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring. And that's good. The well speaks of a hidden resource and a hidden source of strength and energy. And it, it lets us see that Although he had many failures, he was able to tap into a source which was very close to him. Um, in John chapter 4 and verse 13, the Lord Jesus is talking to a woman by the well of Sychar in Samaria. And he says, everyone who drinks of this well, of this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up in eternal life. And the glory of the, the gospel, when we look back with a long view, is that God resourced Joseph, and God resources us. And when we read about the well, actually I had to get to Israel before it dawned on me what the difference was between a well and a spring. A well is static water. A spring is dynamic, vibrant, energetic water. And the Lord Jesus, he says to the lady, you know, if you drink this water, you'll, you'll need to come back for more. Um, but you know, the water that I will give you will be an inner unending source of energy and strength and goodness and grace from God. Isn't that wonderful? Or somebody say amen or something. Never mind. <laughs> <coughs> the well speaks to us of the Holy Spirit. The spring speaks to us of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because when we become Christians, God doesn't just cast it out to see how we'll get on. He gives us a wonderful resource. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I won't leave you orphanoi, is the Greek word. Orphans. I won't leave you orphans. I'll send you another comforter. Parakletos. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. My, my translation is, 
the supporter. Para means alongside, and kletos is the passive uh, mood of the verb kaleo, to call. And so the parakletos is the called alongside one. What a wonderful description of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the Lord Jesus Christ was no longer physically going to be with them, um, but he would give them the Holy Spirit, and he talks about the Holy Spirit, gives special teaching in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. If you want to look at it this week, have a look. And uh, it's quite interesting. Last Easter, I heard somebody talking about the Holy Spirit uh, from the pulpit. <clears throat> and uh, not uh, it wasn't the pulpit of Kirkintilloch Baptist Church uh, at that time, and it wasn't the minister, but somebody else in the church from the platform spoke about the Holy Spirit and at least a dozen times referred to the Holy Spirit as it. You know, and that grated on my sensitivities as a Christian because the Lord Jesus Christ taught us that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he, he's a, well, he's a person. Not masculine necessarily, but personal, certainly. Um, and uh, because there are three genders in Greek, there's masculine, feminine, and neuter. And tonuma, the spirit, is neuter in its gender. But in John chapter 14 and John, John chapter 16, every time Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he doesn't use the neuter. He uses the masculine, meaning he's a person. He's a person. Um, and that was wonderful, that God came close to Joseph and God gave him a resource um, and that resource was a well, or a rather a spring. It was um, more likely a spring uh, uh, to support him, to energize him, to strengthen him, uh, to serve God. And when we trace his, his uh, very stormy life, <laughs> um, we see that God was with him. There's a well in Joseph's life. And I hope that each one of us, every day, asks God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the neglected person of the Trinity. Um, I often, I hope the Lord can forgive me for this, but I often think the Holy Spirit is the shy person of the, of the Trinity. His ministry is to reveal the Lord Jesus to us. He's the Spirit of Jesus. And Paul puts it beautifully in Second uh, Corinthians. <clears throat> um, it's like somebody looking into a mirror and being metamorphosed, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So that's great. A well or a spring in Joseph's life and there was a wall in Joseph's life. It says in the text here, uh, Joseph was a fruitful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. And a wall, it speaks to us of intention and it speaks to us of protection, doesn't it? A wall is protection and a wall 
is in, intention for us. And when you become a Christian, you're not cast adrift. You're not like a, a cork floating on the ocean. You, are, you have the sense of God's presence with you, protecting you everywhere you go. And, and Joseph knew that. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And one of the recurrent phrases in the life of Joseph in the narrative of Genesis is, and the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. Where? Well, even in a pit flung there by his brothers, the Lord was with him. Even in the jail where he found favor with his jailers. <laughs> um, and where he was cast because of a, a false accusation by Potiphar's wife, the Lord was with him. Um, even when he was despised by his brothers, the Lord was with Joseph always. I think I've probably told you before about uh, Fred Webb. Fred and Ruth Webb served in Peru for umpteen years as missionaries with the Regions Beyond Missionary Union. And at a time when the Roman Catholic Church was, had a different attitude to Protestant missionaries than they have now, I think. And they, he was evangelizing in a village and they said, we'll, we'll kill this man. And they were armed and waiting outside the village and Fred drove in a motorbike. He was a, an unusual character, Fred. <coughs> I had him at school, and he nearly caused a riot because he brought with him a, a big hairy spider. What do you call What's the name for that? A tarantula uh, in a, a plastic box. And my pupils were round the door at lunchtime asking to see the big hairy spider the man had brought, you know. Um, the Glasgow children are very curious. And... <laughs> Fred Webb was on his motorbike and he's coming through the village and the man told him this later that one of the group who came to know Christ as saviour told him that that night they came armed and they were going to kill him and he came, they could hear the, the roar of his motorbike engine coming out of the village and they couldn't touch him because he had a, a, a shining pillion passenger <laughs> in the back of his motorbike. Do you believe in angels? Uh, well, I married one. I should know all about it. But, uh, <laughs> they said, we couldn't touch you, Mr. Webb, because God must have sent an angel to look after you, you know. And that is wonderful, isn't it? The protection of God. Absolutely wonderful. That there's, there's a wall in our lives. A, a wall defines space, doesn't it? And, and God says, I'm looking after this person, you know. Uh, last year I had a cataract, I had two cataract operations, but we waited for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and I was relying on all my pals taking me to the meetings I had uh, because I wasn't allowed to drive, and Jean wasn't allowed to drive. And, uh, oh, Jean said to me, I think we should go private. <laughs> go private. 
You're kidding. My father would turn in his grave. Never mind. Um, <laughs> imagine going back. We can't have, we'll need to sell a grandchild. And <laughs> she says, no, I think we could go private, you know. So we went private. And I waited for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I phoned this wee Pakistani man on the Tuesday. And I went to see him on the Thursday. And he operated on me the following Tuesday. The only thing was I had to be there at half past six in the morning because he earns his f extra 5,000, you know, before the work starts. <laughs> and the, the, the operation lasted nearer 10 minutes than 15 minutes. And the following week, I got a letter. Dear George, I heard you went private for your operation. Uh, the enclosed check will help your expenses. A check for a thousand pounds. And I said to Jean, the Lord's still looking after us, Jean. God is a protection, a very present help in times of trouble. There was a well in Jesus in Joseph's life, and there was a wall in Jesus' life, Joseph's life. And there was a wealth in Joseph's life as well. It says he was a fruitful bough, a fruitful vine in the NIV. A fruitful vine whose branches climb over the wall. The idea is of extension and outreach, isn't it? Um, that's the kind of life he had, a wealth. A fruitful vine growing over a wall. The, the, the wealth speaks of fulfillment and enrichment and extension, doesn't it? And it's just wonderful to think that once you're in God's service, you can start serving him right away. We were brought up in Christian endeavor, and one of the things was that we were saved to serve. That was a phrase that was used. You were saved to serve. And whatever happened to Joseph, you know, it was really bad. In his life, he eventually meets up with his brothers in a time of terrible distress in the ancient Near East. He meets up with his brothers, and he recaps what happened between them. And he says, you meant to do me evil, but God meant it for good. And he was, he was good. He was a blessing to his, his family. He was a blessing to the Hebrews. He was a blessing to the Hebrews not only in Egypt, but also back in Canaan, not only in Goshen where they were settled in, in the slave camp, but back in Canaan, um, it was a blessing there. And it tells us that he was promoted under Pharaoh uh, by God's good leading, and he developed a 14-year agricultural plan. I don't think Mrs. May would be able to even do that, you know. A 14-year agricultural plan uh, that would keep not only Egypt going, they would store up stuff for seven years of plenty and then distribute it for seven years of famine. The whole of the, the fertile crescent, as they call it, the whole of the Middle East, we would say, enjoyed the benefits of Joseph's planning under God to preserve their lives. Isn't that good? And God will bless you. If you've been blessed, have you been blessed this week? What's happened? Some, review your life this week. You probably think of some way in which God blessed you this week. And God 
used your outreach to somebody or your witness or your testimony to the, to the benefit of somebody. Um, God blesses us, and it's often a chain link kind of blessing. You don't know the results of what happened to you, but what you do will influence others. And one day, as um, a man from Kilsyth put it to me from the Pentecostal church in Kilsyth, he said, well, couldn't the fish in the shore, George? <laughs> uh, well, couldn't the fish in the shore? He says, one day we'll know how God blessed us. Um, I'll tell you a story that will thrill your hearts, okay? Um, we had a, a week's mission in Kirky Baptist, and the speaker was a fine man. Oh, good man. He's not very well just now. In Noel McCullens. Noel had a week's mission in Kirky, and he had a youth night. And I thought, I must take my, some of my Scripture Union kids to the youth night. <laughs> so I filled the school minibus. I was a, a registered driver of the school minibus. Uh, used to take the drunk teachers home after their nights out because um, I got so upset about them driving home the state some of them were in and uh, I volunteered to hire the minibus and drive home the drunks uh, I, there was one guy had two wee children and they used to help him in his car and so I hired the minibus and I filled it with SU kids and we went to the meeting and Noel preached, I can remember his text, it's from Romans chapter 3. It says, in that day when God will judge the secrets of men um, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He preached on secrets. It was absolutely terrific. And at the end of the service, he gave an invitation. Three of my girls trusted the Lord that night. Three of them. And then the following week, one of my girls said to me, I've been carried to church since I was away, and am I a Christian, sir? You know? And uh, I said, I tried to explain to her that we're all born differently, and we're all born again differently. I said, but the great thing is, however you come to God, if you're a true Christian, you know it. You've got a, an assurance about it. You know it. I said, what to do, Janie, is take this book home, and we'll talk about it next week. Have a read at it. And it was called, How Can I Be Sure I Am a Christian by Michael Griffiths. And she came back and handed me the book. She says, I'm sure. <laughs> and they wanted to come, they wanted to come to Kirky Baptist, we believe it. I mean, I wanted to join the Baptists. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I said, no, no, here's, don't you dare come to Kirk and tell us Baptist Church. What you should do is you should stay in the church near the school here that some of you belong to and pray that God will send you a, a minister that preaches the gospel and somebody that can start a youth fellowship. And guess what happened? They got an evangelical minister and his daughter, Jennifer, was very keen on starting a youth fellowship. And I said, the other thing you can do is, there's a meeting uh, in 528 London Road, the 528 Club, London Road, uh, run by a, a Church of Scotland man, he said he was the only Tory that lived up a close in Glasgow. But <laughs> Robert Mackenzie Smith ran the meeting. And they used to sing choruses. And there was a man passing the meeting one night, a Pakistani man, 
called Riaz Muhammad. And Riaz Muhammad went in, he was attracted by the singing. And he came to know the Lord. And his father ignored him from that day onwards. He said to him, have you become a, a Christian, Riaz? Yes, Dad. Well, you're not my son, he said. And one day, Riaz was standing at the bus stop to go to university, and the rain was pelting down as Glasgow rain can. And his uncle came up to him. His dad didn't speak to him anymore. But his uncle came up. He says, your dad says he'll buy you a car, and he'll put a, a brand new car, and he'll put a thousand pound in your bank account if you uh, revert to Islam. And he said, I'd rather be wet than have Jesus as my saviour. And he became a consultant, surgeon, Riaz Muhammad. And eventually, I said, amazing adventures. Have you time to listen to that? This is only 20 past seven. And he, <laughs> he, he had some amazing adventures. When he was at university doing medicine, he did a deal with the Lord. I don't know that we should do these kind of deals with the Lord, but he did a deal with the Lord. He got a good job, and the guy said he could have that job all his summers. He was in the university, and he was well paid. And Riaz said to the Lord, Lord, if you, if you help me pass my exams, I'll get the job uh, for the whole of my course. And he passed all his exams. First year, second year, third year, no problem. Fourth year, he absolutely flunked an exam, made an absolute mess of it, was quite down in the mouth about it, really upset. And he said to the Lord, why have you done this to me, Lord? I mean, we, made a, we made a pact. <laughs> and the funny thing was, he went in to see his results, and he'd gone over the paper and all the answers, and he knew how wrong it was, the stuff that he'd written. And uh, the invigilator said uh, came to see the students and said to, him, said to them, I'm really very sorry, we haven't got your results. In the first, for the first time probably in the history of Glasgow University, somebody wrongly burned a set of your test papers. He said, and what you have to do is next Wednesday you have to come and reset the exam. So <laughs> he went back to reset the exam and uh, he said, we're sorry we couldn't make up a new paper, <laughs> so we're just giving you the paper you sat a fortnight ago. And he had all the answers <laughs> in his head and he said, thank you, Lord, pass the exam, no bother. Anyway, later on, um, when he had retired, he went on a, on a tour to the Emmanuel Hospital Association in North India. And he visited a hospital there called the Raxhall Hospital, the Duncan Hospital. It was founded and built by a Scottish doctor called Cecil Duncan. Are you with me so far? Right, okay. <laughs> so, it was built in the early 1930s, I think. And it was, a, it was a gateway to Nepal. It was before Nepal was open for the gospel. And a lot of Nepalis went in and out. It was a, an absolute key location for the hospital. But it was falling to bits. And they decided they needed a new hospital. And they started building and had to give up because they ran out of funds. It was a bit like Jesus' story in the gospels. You know, they laughed at them. 
this fool began to build but was not able to finish. So when he came home from the visit, Rashid wrote an article for a magazine about his visit to the Emmanuel Hospital Association and to the Duncan Hospital in particular. And meanwhile, back at the ranch uh, in Scotland was a lady called Joanna Peacock. I preached at Joanna and Matt's a valedictory service before they went out to work for 10 years in the Raxall Hospital. And she was reading about it. And she was walking in the street and she met a man who, when he was a wee boy, his mother had died. And Joanna had virtually brought him up. And they got in the chat, you know, and, they, and they, she says, what are you up to these days? And he, he'd been, he'd, he was a retired consultant as well. And uh, I'm not implying that doctors are the richest people in the world, but she says, what are you up to? And he, he said, uh, well, actually, I'm about to buy a football club. <laughs> she said, what's the club? Oh, Stirling Albion. You know, he was going to buy Stirling Albion. And she said, well, can I, can I tell you about a place that I worked for 10 years, she says, where the children eat clods of earth to try and fill their empty stomachs? And it's absolutely essential that the, the folk in that area are dealt with. Um, would you consider making a donation for the Duncan Hospital to help the rebuilding? So he said, oh, well, give me the address, you know. So she gave him the address. And the mission headquarters where he sent his check to, they received this check for half a million pounds. Half a million pounds he gave me. He didn't buy Sterling Albion. He built a hospital instead. And Riaz says, if you'd stayed for another 10 years, the hospital would still have fallen down. But now, under God, blessing you and blessing the wee man. I saw him at the funeral. I took her funeral, uh, Joanna. I saw him and said, see that wee man eating the sausage roll? That's the man that gave the half million. <laughs> And uh, as a result of that, the hospital will run for a hundred years, and they were able to rebuild it and add to the staff and all this kind of stuff, because a little goes a long way in countries like Africa and India. And God blesses us. We never know how much God is going to bless us. And we won't know till we get there, and we'll couldn't the fish in the shore, the man in Colcise says and will enter into blessing. And so Joseph was a fruitful vine that spread over the wall, and God can bless us as he blessed Joseph. And the well can be in our lives all the time, a source of strength, a source of energy, and the wall can be there where God protects us and intends us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then there was a wealth in Joseph's life, a wealth of fulfillment in him, a wealth of enrichment through him. Let's pray together. Oh God, our gracious Father, we thank you for Joseph. We thank you for the life he lived, and we thank you for the way in which you altered his character and blessed his life and used him for your glory. 
And Lord, we pray for the church here. Bless this church, Lord. Bless your servants, Lord. Help them to know that the Holy Spirit is with them in all that they do and that God surrounds them with his divine protection and wants to bless them in Airdrie and across the world. So, Lord, hear our cry and let our prayer come to you. For Jesus' sake, amen.